This is Carter Lowen. You're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 218 of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Donovan, there's so much to be excited about, but I'm a little bit sad right now. <laughs> I'm a little sad because we've got sad? the... The Arizona Fall League is coming to an end, and this is the sad time of year when all the free agents get announced, and so a lot of familiar names are are moving on to the next step, and it's just it's a it's a melancholy time of year for me, uh, but I'm at the same time I'm excited about what lies ahead. Well, I I take it the other way. This is kind of like Christmas for me. Like we had such a sh- the, the Padres had such a horrible season that like all right, brother, work your magic. Hire a manager, then work your magic. Because there's going to have to be some magic that he pulls off to be able to put together a rotation uh, and add to the outfield, you know, without trading Soto or, you know, without doing it like with only like 20 to 30, maybe 50 million, maybe. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We have to get past the manager part. I guess that's what what I'm a little bit uh, melancholy about. I need to figure out who the manager is going to be before I can before I know how to feel about anything. Uh, so today we've got our little major league minute. We've got a fair amount of transaction news to talk about. That's going to be sprinkled throughout. Uh, and we've got a whole bunch of Arizona Fall League news, uh, including the Arizona Fall Stars game. Yeah, and there's tons of AFL stuff because you know a couple of guys here have been absolutely killing it. But let's start with the managers, man. I- it's well t- today. Well, yesterday the bombshell came from the Cubs, where they fired David Ross, who was uh, one or two games away from making the playoffs in a year that they weren't really supposed to make the playoffs. Very surprising. Right. Yeah, that caught everybody by surprise. It seemed like the consensus was either Craig Council is staying in Milwaukee or he's going to the Mets, and then out of nowhere, oh hey, wait, he's a Cub, and so I think that. I mean, David Ross is now a free agent, and I think that's interesting because uh, I seem I've I'm of the opinion that the Padres have I think they've nailed narrowed it down. It's either going to be Schilt or Flaherty in my mind. Right. Uh, but David Ross being out there, I don't know what connections he's got to anybody in the Padres front office, but he did play for the Padres briefly once upon a time, and he's liked around baseball. He's got a little bit of experience now that he's managed the Cubs for a couple of years. So I, I got to imagine that they're going to at least pick up the phone and give him a call and 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 talk to him. Yeah, and, and if they don't interview him, we'll never know if they even called him. But Craig Council getting hired by the Cubs. And the big thing about that is, dude, he's making major league money. That's five years. He's making 20 a year. Well, no, it's five years, $40 five million years, dollars total. So he's making $8 million. million a year. That's, that's but some... eight million is huge bucks for a manager. And he like, he reset, what did he say? He reset the pay scale. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, good for him. And I guess good for managers in the future that they're going to start making more money. Um, but you said something interesting there that kind of stuck with me that you said, well, we're never going to know if the Padres actually called him or not. And for all of these years, there's been this narrative of the Padres never picked up the phone and called Bruce Bochy to to see if he was interested in in coming and playing. And then, what, just yesterday or the day before, Tom Krasovic of the Union Tribune puts out this article and says, no, Preller actually went to Tennessee yeah. twice and visited him in person uh, when they were doing uh, manager searches. So this whole narrative of, you know, Bochy and Preller and, you know, one's not interested in the other. I, I don't know what to make of all that, but we at least know that there was some communication going on. Well, what I love about it is now I know that Bochy lives in Nashville. 
I'm not surprised one bit. Dude, everyone lives in Nashville. <laughs> well, the the winter meetings are there, so now he doesn't. Well, he just have to roll off his front porch, and he's in the in the winter meetings. Right. He can just Uber. The, he can just Uber the winter meetings. So that was right? huge, you know. And then you know, we the Padres also interviewed. So the the Padres interviewed Schilt. Um, did they interview Phil Nevin? They talked to Phil Nevin, yeah. They've talked to a lot of people, and I I don't know what that means. I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean that they interviewed them for the manager position because, remember, Matt Williams is gone. He went to San Francisco, and Ryan Christensen left. So you've got a third base coach vacancy. you got a bench coach vacancy, whether you're going to fill that internally or externally. Uh, But Phil Nevin was third base coach in LA before he was the interim manager for the angels. I believe he was third base coach for the Yankees for a short period of time or for a couple of, for a year or two. Uh, And so they interviewed bench coach, Carlos Mendoza. Uh, That sounded like it was a manager interview and he was hired by the Mets after Craig council obviously slipped through their fingers. Uh, And we've heard that Benji Gill has been spoken to by the Padres, but again, is that for a manager job, a bench coach job, you know, bullpen coach job, I, I, I don't know. Do they need a gaffer? I right. <laughs> could well, be for and, anything. You know, it's funny. Cause it made the, the, the Mexican president mentioned it. And one of his really? addresses. Yeah. Like the president of Mexico, like mentioned, like, yeah, the Padres talked to Benji Gill and they should hire him. You're not talking the president of the Mexican baseball league. Are you? Oh, was or that you, it? I the, thought it was a president of Mexico. I, you know, I didn't see, but I hope it was the president of Mexico. I hope president of Mexico sure is a baseball case, fan all over Twitter. Oh, I love it. I love it. Which, you know, so just thinking about Benji Gill for a second, it is, you know, he, he coached the uh, the uh, the Mexican team in the World Baseball Classic, um, which is, I think, you know, much different for Major League. Um, it would be a, a good hire in a, in, a, in a PR kind of sense, like a local boy, uh, you know, Tijuana native, grew up in San Diego. Um, and from that angle, it would be a good good hire. And, you know, really, what does a manager do other than, you know, this this next hire is going to be huge when it comes to optics. It's going to come huge to which way Preller goes. Is he going to go with, um you know, with a Mike Schultz who has managed before? Or is he going to go again with a first-time manager and whether it be Flaherty or a Benji Gill or someone else um that I don't think fans are going to be too happy with? Yeah, I have a hard time seeing them hiring a first-time manager after, uh, after you know, the, the history speaks for itself. Um, but I really think it's going to be Schilt. I, I feel like right now they know that Schilt is going to be their guy, and it's just a matter of filling in the seats around him, um, and they just they're holding off on announcing it for whatever reason. But that's that's my that that's me reading the tea leaves. I I'm sure I'm going to be very wrong. They're going to hire somebody nobody expected. Right. You know, here comes Brad Osmus out of out of nowhere or somebody like that. I I don't know. Uh because that's been a trend. Nobody knew Jace Tingler was really a serious contender until he was hired. And even AJ Preller was supposed to be the runner up for the job until the 11th hour and it was supposed to be Billy Epler. Um uh, so, you know, this this organization keeps people guessing, and I guess that's exciting. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I could just imagine what the uh, what the interview process is going to be. So what are your thoughts on getting a text at 3 in the morning? Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, hey, do you have your notifications silenced when you sleep? What do you do? Would you be willing <laughs> to put me on your emergency contacts list so when you're on do not disturb, my phone calls still come through? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know, you know. 
I mean, and, you know, on that note, Kim Ng is is out there. She's now a free agent. There's this rumor that the national sale is going to go through and Theo Epstein is going to be a, a, a part owner. I just saw that. You Who knows? There's still wacky stuff that could happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's entirely out of the realm of possibility that the Padres could still do something in the front office and shake up the 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 pecking order, the structure of who does what. Who knows? Yeah. I, I, Kimming better get a GM job or a baseball ops president job. She's yeah. going to get a good job somewhere. She's too talented not to, you know, and, and hearing about, I mean, it's, it's, it, it can't be good in, in, in Marlins land. And on that note, how is, what's it like being a Brewers fan right now? I mean, David Stearns left for New York. Craig council left. Uh, I've heard somebody else. I mean, they've got people just leaving that organization in droves. It's like a fire sale in the front office and in the coaching right. staff. So what's that got to mean for the players? Uh, for are they going to start selling off players? Yeah, they've been, they've been a playoff team. They've been a playoff team for a while. And and maybe, you know, maybe it's, I don't know. We don't have the local paper, but, you know, maybe there is an issue with the owner. Maybe there's, you know, they're not spending enough on players. And like front office people are getting tired of it. And maybe they're not getting paid enough. And there's more opportunity in, in, uh, in other organizations, certainly with David Sterner is, but yeah. Well, it's it's definitely curious when you let Craig Council walk and not just walk, but he goes to a division rival, your closest division rival. I mean, Brewers fans hate Cubs fans. There's yeah. it's it's not quite like Cubs Cardinals, but I, I guess that's kind of like <laughs> like Padres Dodgers and then the Dodgers and the Giants. You know, there's there's one and one A as far as the rivalries go. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, so let's talk about the roster a little bit. So Pod, uh, AJ Casavell, he puts out his Padres Beat newsletter, which is one of my favorite reads every time it comes through. Um, so he, one of the things he was talking about recently he says, what's the status of the 40-man roster? Right now, it's full. Well, this was a week ago. It's no longer full. We'll get to that later. Uh, but with at least nine free agents set to come off the books after the World Series, San Diego has room to activate its seven players who finished the season on the 60-day IL. Of course, there are a handful of prospects who must be added to the roster or be exposed to the Rule 5 draft. That list includes two of the organization's top 10 prospects per MLB pipeline, Jairo Iriarte at number 6 and Brandon Valenzuela at number 9. The deadline to protect players by adding them to the 40-man roster is November 14th, with the Rule 5 draft taking place December 6th during the winter meetings. Um, this is always something I like to watch. You know, who gets protected, who's yeah. exposed out there, uh, and and later on, we'll talk about the drove of players that are that are uh, reaching free agency with the, in the minor league system. Uh, but Jairo Iriarte and Brandon Valenzuela are two very different players. What, what do you think about their chances of being added to the 40 man roster. Well, if they have to be added to the 40 man roster, I think they're going to do it. Um, I don't think they'll be on the 25 man, but certainly put them on the 40 man. There's, I just looked it up. There's what 37, 34 players in the 40 man roster. So there are a couple spots there that, that could, we could, you know, that you, every team does. They, they have three or four guys that are in triple a or, or below that are on the 40 man roster. Um, you got Eggy Rizzaro that's still on there. I believe you have, uh -huh. um, you know, I can't remember who else would be on the roster that they kind of tucked away in AAA, but I think you can put them on there and then see where they go from there. Or maybe they're going to be involved in a trade. There's lots, uh, there's lots of things like pros going to have to work as magic here. Well, so Iriarte is an, he has an electric arm. 
And I could see a team taking a flyer on somebody like that. It's oh. just, you can put him in the bullpen and kind of hide him back there as a rule five pick. Uh, Cause remember a rule five selection has to stay on the big league roster the entire yeah. season. Brandon Valenzuela is a little bit of a different case. He is a catcher who I believe he reached double a a little bit this year, but he spent most of the year in single a, um, I don't even know if he made it up to double a, so he doesn't have the kind of experience that I, it's, it's, it's very unusual what the Padres did with Luis Terenz a, f- a handful of years ago. And that obviously didn't work out. Um, he, he, they, they kept him, but he didn't turn out to be, I mean, no, no knock on Luis Terenz, but he didn't turn out to be anything special. Padres packaged him in a trade and he's been DFA a couple of times by the Mar- uh, Mariners since then. Uh, I don't think they're going to add, I think they add Iriarte and that's it. I don't yeah. think they add Valenzuela. I don't think they add anybody else. There might be some surprise name like Tom Cosgrove was last year, um, who you know took a took a big step the year prior and turned out to be a huge contributor for the big league team. Uh, but yeah, I think Iriarte is going to be it. Yeah. And what about Terso Ornelas? I know he's a free agent. So maybe they'd assign him to a free agent or do they have to add him to the 40 man as well? Well, that's the thing. I mean, those guys, you can, I mean, if, if they want to come back and be, but you don't sign somebody like that uh, to be on your uh, 40 man roster, unless you, you know, unless you really want to protect them. I mean, I, I, I don't know. So we'd probably be a minor league free agent again. Probably. And probably stay in the organization and be very, very close to major league ready. Probably. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'm not seeing that he, elected free agency, he might still have a year of team control. I'm unsure about that one. I'm always uncertain about the rules. You know, you go back and you look at the year that they were signed and, and all of this, but it seems like all the other guys uh, that signed that 2000, was it 2016? Yeah. Did he sign with the Padres? Um, seems like everybody from that class, you know what? No, he signed it. Oh, March of 2017. So it was part of the 2016 class. Hmm. You know, I think you're right. I think you're right. Cause all those other guys, uh, as we're going to mention later, Carlos Luis and Henry Henry and all of them. Um, so, yeah, maybe he just his uh, transaction hasn't gone through yet. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So debt relief. This new article comes out in The Athletic and they're talking about that the Padres had to take out a 50 million dollar loan to help cover payroll. What do you and think about that? Expenses. So, I, I, you know, in that article, you saw Dennis Lynn write several times. Most teams do this. This is not a big right. deal. It, it's not like all teams do it. But since, you know, we had this massive payroll and little to show for it this year, you know, the big question is, you know, and the big number, are we going to sign Juan Soto? Are we, you know, we're still in the talks of of possibly getting uh, Shohei Otani. Um, so they had to come up with this article and it just piles on this whole camp chaos, you know, team term turmoil. Uh, thank you, Bernie Wilson. Uh, article. So I, I don't make make too much of it, other than it being, you know, other than being just you know another one of those things that the Padres show that they have done all the spending and they can't really afford it. Right. It seemed to me like the Padres made a gamble that they were going to make the playoffs, and I mean the odds were so high, yeah. and everything went wrong, and they missed. Um, and so that big payoff that they would get from making the playoffs didn't happen. Uh, maybe that's where some of that shortfall came. Um, you know, obviously the TV deal that fell apart, uh, MLB stepped in and covered, I think 80% of it. So it didn't hurt the bottom line that much, but still it, it, 
it hurts. Uh, but yeah, like you said, so the Padres, apparently they'd been cleared to get a $100 million loan by their whoever the lender is out there. They had to ask MLB and MLB only gave them permission to take out a $50 million loan. Yeah. I, I think that was kind of what was driving this article. But <laughs> I, I can't help but wonder if it's some of the owners like the Dick Monforts of the league that are always complaining about the teams that actually spend and invest in making their team better. Uh, They're like, well, Hey, can you put something out there to talk bad about one of these teams that's spending money? (laughs) Right. And then the Padres are like, if we get that much money, we could probably sign a couple of guys and get away with it. Right. And I mean, the valuation of the team has gone up so much in recent years. So they have this equity that they can draw against. And if Peter Seidler wanted to turn around and sell the team tomorrow, I, he would not be taking a loss. He'd be making right. a massive Absolutely. profit on this. So that's where this, you know, you leveraging your, your equity to take out loans comes in. Um, and th- it isn't a poverty transaction that, that went on right there. It's just operating expenses and, shifting money from one pile to another massive amounts of money that you and I will never see in 10 lifetimes. Right. No. And also it's kind of like in, in a smaller version, like, okay, I'm taking a little money out of savings to get through the month, you know, so you got to pay that. You take money out of your credit card. You got to pay the interest. Yeah. But and that's all in the massive amount of money. So I, I, that's all I kind of think it was, you know, just, just um, another way to, to, to show that the Padres, you know, um, spent way too much and it did not work out. I don't think none of this stuff would be a problem. Maybe more of the clubhouse, maybe more of the manager stuff would be a problem uh, if they did make the playoffs and went running into it deep. But I don't think you know that might come out later during next season. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, you know when they were going to the playoffs, they borrowed fifty million or they took out fifty million dollars to pay for everything. You know, so I, I don't I don't take too much of it. So it's still it's on. it's still controversy controversy. Okay, so while we're talking about business, we have some major league transactions to talk about. So a bunch of players elected free agency. Left-handed pitchers Blake Snell, Josh Hader, Drew Pomeranz, Rich Hill, uh, righty Luis Garcia, catcher Gary Sanchez. we got Garrett Cooper, G-Man Choi, Jerickson Profar. Holy cow. Uh, and then some guys some guys declined team options you got Michael Waka Seth Lugo Nick Martinez they all the team had an option on uh Waka and Martinez they turned yeah. it down and then all three of those guys turned down their player option uh I I I, I gotta imagine that at least a couple of all all of those guys they're gonna bring back a couple of them I I can't I I can't fathom them letting everybody walk. Right, you know, and but you know, signing both Walker and Lugo is going to be very expensive. They're going to want three-year deals. They're going to want four-year deals, and I don't know if if we can afford both. I maybe we can afford one. Um, Lugo just really, I, I mean, I'd take Lugo over Walker because of the injuries, um, and with the fresher arm and the newer arm, having Seth Lugo not have thrown as many innings as uh, as Walker or Nick Martinez. And I, I think maybe the Padres are as much as they were high on on Martinez with that kind of funky contract that they had with him. Either you know so many innings pitched in the bullpen or so many starts, you get so much money. Um, they might be able to work in something out like that with Martinez again, or maybe even Lugo. But I think Lugo is really set on starting, and I think Walk is going to walk. I think he's walking. I think he's going to sign somewhere else. I, I agree with you on Walker. I. I'd like to think that Lugo and Martinez might both come back. I, 
I could see them putting together two more wacky contracts, just like the ones they finished uh, that pay them a little bit better than what they were making that they were than what they just turned down, but not quite as much as what the Padres option was, at least on Martinez. So I think it was 16 million a year. You know, that's, that's what you give. That's, that's like middle reliever or middle of the rotation starter money. Um, And Lugo proved himself, uh, but at his age and all of that, I don't know if you can bet on him reproducing that. You you don't give him 20 million a year. Uh, They weren't going to give him 16, uh, but he wasn't going to take eight. So maybe you meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, So the Padres did offer qualifying offers to Blake Snell and Josh Hader. This is really just a procedural thing. They're both going to decline the, the one year, $20 million contract, they're going to walk into free agency and the Padres are going to get their qualifying uh, compensation picks. picks, Uh, Since they went over the tax is going to be after the fourth round. So don't expect much out of those picks, unfortunately. And then, uh, and then go ahead. Well, you know, they sent with the Blake. So both those guys are walking. We cannot afford Blake Snell and God, I would sign that guy just for the interviews during, during the game. Just, just like if I, okay, go sign somewhere else. But dude, you got to do an in between interview with Don and Mud if you're pitching against, or you know, if you're not pitching against us and you're in the dugout for the other team, like that has to be a part of it. I think that's a precedent that I don't think has ever been set. Has a visiting player ever been on the home team's broadcast? No. I want to no. see it. I want to see this now. And it has to be Blake Snell. Like that's the only way it should be done. Oh my God! Yes. Hey, I miss you guys, man. How, how, how's 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 the fishing, Don? You know. <laughs> oh my God, it'd be so I'm good. Looking up at you guys, you know. Uh, okay, so there were a few minor things that, that also shook out here. So the Padres sent Chandler Siegel and Drew Carlton outright to the El Paso Chihuahuas. Today we learned both of those guys they declared free agency. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about all those guys. Uh, but they claimed Tucupita Marcano off Tucu. waivers from the the Pittsburgh Pirates. Welcome back, Tucu. Welcome back, Tucupita Marcano. So he had knee surgery in late July. He actually hurt his knee in a game against the Padres. I think it was at Petco Park. Uh, he was sliding, trying to evade a tag, and his knee blew his knee out. Uh, but, I mean, the guy makes a ton of contact. He's got a great eye at the plate. He can play pretty good defense all over the place. Um, he played a little bit of outfield, but he's really good at second base, shortstop, can play some third base. I, so I could see him being kind of the end of the roster, maybe up and down utility guy. Uh, yeah. Kind of like, kind of like what, uh, what Matthew Batten did a little bit this year. Yeah. You know, and I, I like it, that depth, the, the infield depth. And I think I might've even seen him play a little outfield. Um, yeah. He's played some left field and I think he's got enough wheels to play center if you needed him to. Yeah. So, you know, it's great to have him back, you know, maybe they can find somewhere to put him. I'm sure he'll be in El Paso, but it's good to have him come back. It's good to have that depth. It's good to be familiar with what he does, what we know he can do uh, and the development that he's had since he's been gone. So I'm really stoked to have him back. I'm dying to DM him going like, welcome back, you know, from us from Friars on the farm. Um, But yeah. Okay, and then one last little note here. The Padres claimed right-hand righty reliever Jeremiah Estrada off waivers from the Chicago Cubs. Uh, He's 25 years old. He's from Rancho Mirage, California. Uh, He's pitched in 17 major league games for the Cubs in 2022 and 2023, uh, only 16 and a third innings pitch. So not enough service time to really make any sense of who he is. Uh, He's got two minor league option years remaining. 
So that's somebody they're going to stash on the AAA roster. Uh, he'll earn he'll earn his chances to come up sooner or later, but you're just somebody to get a look at. Um, and as we know, AJ Preller does a lot of this in the offseason, claiming guys, bring them in, take a look, see what you got. Well, we do the same thing once spring training starts and everyone brings everyone in. They start, other teams start dropping guys off. We'll start dropping guys off. They get picked up on, like, there's all the whole, all right, he didn't work for us, but maybe he worked for you guys. Um, kind of like roster filler at the end of spring training. But it's interesting that that they made this, they claimed him off waivers so, so early. This is one of those signings that, <clears throat> one of those claims that where you know the scouts are like, hey, this guy's got something. Like, and maybe he's, you know, pitched his way away from the Cubs. You know, they, they just probably didn't have room for him. You never know. Um, so there have been a lot of swings and misses, but a couple of guys that come to mind that the Padres claimed off the off the waiver wire for peanuts, Kirby Yates and Brad Hand, turned out to be pretty darn good for the Padres uh, during their time here. Yeah. And they're now currently free agents. Yeah, They are currently free agents. How about that? <laughs> Let's get get the band back together. What do you think? All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hand did not do too bad in, in the playoffs. He did not. He like he did really well. He did. And Kirby Yates all of a sudden started looking good, too. And he was coming off Tommy John surgery. It seemed like it took him a while to get his legs under him. But he was pretty good for the Braves down the stretch, too. Yeah. Might be a little too expensive for us, but let's move on to some minor league news. Yeah. So tell us about some awards here. So the, El Pepe, the Chihuahuas. Congratulations to senior VP and general manager Brad Taylor on being named the 2023 Minor League Baseball Executive of the Year. Confetti. Right, confetti. That's and great. Then, uh, you know, so th this year was Brad's 28th season in Minor League Baseball and his 10th year in El Paso. Last year, Mike Nutter, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps president and friend of the podcast, won the award. So the Padres have gone back to back. Uh, getting executive of the year within their organization. Well, with, with El Paso, it's just, it, it's turned, you know, we've talked to John Conniff about this and everyone that we talked to about it has just, what they've done in El Paso has just made it a, an event. It's not just baseball. It's an event. And not only that, they're a community partner uh, entrenched in the community there with the, uh, the philanthropic, the philanthropic things that they do uh, during the season and in the off season, um, they're more than just a baseball team. They are a community partner, which I really think has um, has just turned around that city in, in a way that you know that I'm not sure if you see in a lot of other AAA cities. It, that's that's definitely true. I mean, I've been to like Memphis. I went to a Redbirds game, and it was crickets out there. Uh, but you go to an El Paso Chihuahuas game, and there's they pack the stands, and it's a bunch of of rowdy, faithful, engaged fans in that ballpark. <laughs> so I, again, I highly encourage any of you out there, I, I find a reason to go to El Paso and make your way to a game there. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like that was like directed towards me. <laughs> oh man, it, it wasn't, but now it is. You got to well, get know, out there, man. I, everyone, we, I, I just, I, I, I will, I'll, I'll get out there, you know, I'll get out there to Fort Wayne and particularly if we get out to North Carolina, I'll get out to Fort Wayne. And, uh, cause you know, we saw John, uh, we saw John at the baseball game earlier this year, John Nolan. Yes. No, you and Liddy need to make a little bucket list, a small bucket list, not a big bucket right. list, a small bucket list to go to go visit the affiliates. She went to San Antonio. It was a work thing, but she went to yeah. San Antonio a couple years ago and brought us back some from swag. Yeah, it was really nice, and she uh, she got to see Tatis play. I think oh, he right. triple, I like dude. He went like two for three. He just he was Taddy in the height of his minor league career. Well, you got to get out and see the world, dude. 
I, I will, but we have uh, like, you know, and just side note, her father's still alive. So any spare time, any days off that I can get that we go out there to spend it with, with him. Right. Right. But maybe on one of those trips, you can have a little, little layover in El Paso or in Fort Wayne. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I feel the push. All right. So let's move on to some more minor league news. All right. Well, Hey, major league baseball, they settled the lawsuit with the two former minor league teams and they avoid the U.S. Supreme Court challenge to their antitrust exemption. So, Major League Baseball on Thursday, this is the last week, I settled a federal lawsuit and two suits in New York State Court that were brought by two minor league teams, according to Jim Quinn, an attorney for those teams. The settlement avoids a potential challenge to baseball's antitrust exemption that had been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, Quinn declined an interview request, and MLB declined an interview request for comment, but the settlement came two weeks before the state trial was scheduled to begin on November 13th. The plaintiffs in this case were two teams that MLB pushed out of its minor league umbrella a few years ago, the Norwich Sea Unicorns of Connecticut and the Tri-City Valley Cats based in Albany, New York. While there were two cases in state court, there were effectively combined into one, essentially into one. In the case that had been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, the teams argued that in an industry where typical antitrust laws apply, the 30 major league teams would need to compete with one another over the number of minor league teams they partner with. That stands in contrast to what happened ahead of the 2021 season when MLB and its teams collectively trimmed the number of affiliated farm teams across their ranks down from one to, uh, from 120, sorry, from 160 to 120. Now, since 1922, MLB and its teams have enjoyed the protection from antitrust scrutiny that most businesses do not, a product of an anomalous Supreme Court decision that year. The cases filed in state court in New York were related to the antitrust case, but arguments on different grounds. The teams argued the MLB improperly interfered with the teams, uh, and it's a contract dispute. So ultimately, that means that they're getting paid off to walk away. Yeah, essentially, that's the case. They're like, do you want to stick it out and fight? You know, and and believe me, the the amount of money was not disclosed, but I'm sure it was not poultry. Yeah, I'm oh sure no, it's it, I'm sure, I'm it sure it's a to... large sum of money. Uh, but at the same time, the the plaintiffs, I'm sure they were facing massive, massive legal fees because remember the people in the commissioner's office, it's a bunch of lawyers. It's a bunch yeah. of high powered lawyers and career accountants and people with high connections and all this. So if they're going to try to fight stuff in the courts, and you've got to be ready to for an extended, extended battle. Um and so, I mean, you're facing hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of court fees and then versus, okay, well, let's just take the bag and walk away. I, I can't blame him for that. But every time one of these lawsuits comes up, I, I see that antitrust exemption mentioned. And it's like, is this the one that's finally going to break it? And I, I don't know if it's ever going to come. Yeah, I think there's another uh, case. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think the um, Major League Baseball Players Association is involved. Um, and one of the things with that is because uh, they think once all these cases are settled, that Major League Baseball is going to trim the minor leagues again. Like they might I mean, even do, they might even do away with several a, you know, several leagues of a ball. Uh, I I think it's it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Right. I, unfortunately, and it's it's sad, but. And the economics of baseball, and that's what it comes always comes back to is the money. Um, and, and it just it makes me sad because you've got you've got so many people that can have a little bit of a career in major league sports 
or in, in professional sports and you've got communities that wind up, you know, rallying around and they've got something to do and it's, it's what, you know, what, what is there to do in Lake Elsinore? You go to the storm game. Um, right. Yeah. And Lake Elsinore is a pretty happening town compared to a lot of these places where minor league baseball is really all you got to do there. Yeah. And so it's, I, I don't like the prospect of that happening, but I feel like it's just, it's, it's going to happen and, and it's going to happen sooner than, than we think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the next piece of news on our, on our docket here, the 2024 major league draft order and lottery odds have been settled. Uh, so Carlos Colazzo, baseball America, he announced that the draft lottery will take place on December 5th at the winter meetings in Nashville at 3:30 PM Eastern time. It's probably going to be televised again. Um, oh yeah. The results of the draft lottery will be televised on MLB network during a half hour show that begins at 5:30 PM Eastern. The Padres have a 0.7% chance of getting the first overall pick. That's so zero. There's a chance, right? <laughs> yeah. So if there's a thousand uh, ping pong balls in that big, you know, the big, uh, the, the big, uh, was it bingo? That big ball that they, that yeah. they roll around. Uh, Padres have seven ping pong balls bouncing around in there. But what that really means to me is, so right now they're slotted to go fifth or 15th in the draft. Uh, but there is a chance that they may move up. Yeah. And just because their number comes up. Yeah. Every every year that's the this is the what the second year that they've done it. I think it's yeah. the second year Yeah. The last year we, we were there it. at the winter yeah. meetings. We were there watching it happen and we watched the Oakland A's, their first round pick dropped like five or six spots. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was that was rough to watch, you know, putting myself in the shoes of a of a of an ardent A's fan. Like, wait, uh, we were supposed to pick fourth and now we're picking 11th or something like that. Uh, but, hey, but we saw Sam Gini. That was kind of cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're bumping elbows. <laughs> and oh, hey, Sam Gini, how are you doing? Uh, so, so the Padres, they're slated to pick 15th. I don't think they can, they can only drop a couple more spots before everything is set in stone yeah. because those are the playoff teams. Uh, but the chance that they might move up a couple spots, that that's exciting. Yeah. It's interesting. And we'll see what happens with the 15th pick because, I mean, Preller and his scouts, they scour the country. And so I'm sure that 15th pick that we get uh, is going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've had a string of, of, of getting some really solid picks, not just in the first round, but the second, third round, uh, some sleepers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Graham Pauly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So next uh, MILB.com, they go position by position across each organization and they honor their players with their organization all-stars. Uh, so in, in this year's article, Salas and Snelling highlight the Padres organization all-stars. Uh, so they've got a Reddit for each one. They've got the stats. They've got all of that information. You can check it out on MILB.com. Uh, but we wanted to just run down the list and uh, talk a little bit about the guys that were selected here. Absolutely. And I like how it says regardless of age or prospect status. So these are, you know, some of these guys are, most of them are all really top prospects, but they're not, you know, they don't have to be. And some of them really aren't. Like, we love Marcus Castagnon, but he's not, he's not a top 10 prospect, you know, even, even in the Potters organization. So it goes down the line like this, Ethan Salas for catcher, uh, Romeo Sanabria first base from the rookie league, uh, Marcus Castagnon from double A, uh, Graham Pauly at third base, uh, shortstop Jackson Merrill. You know, outfield Jacob Marcy, Samuel Zavala, and Tirsar Onelis um, all made the top three. In the outfield, Robbie Snelling, left-handed pitcher, uh, Ryan Bergert uh, for the right-handed pitcher, and right-handed pitcher essentially is for the bullpen is Carter Lowen. 
Yeah, like seeing Carter Lowen getting his yeah, name right? in there. You know, coming off right. Tommy John, and this year he put in a solid year, finished the year strong, pitching in the playoffs. Uh, happy to see him get some love. Yeah, and I, I don't see a number next to his name, so I don't think they have him on their top thirty. Yeah. Uh, Romeo Santabria is an interesting name that we kept bringing up when he was in the rookie league. And then he came up to Lake Elsinore late in the year and he just kept mashing. And I had no idea what a big dude that guy was until I saw him in Lake Elsinore. He is thick. He is built yeah, like a power a hitter. Child, he really <laughs> is. And so he, he just destroyed my, uh, the, the rookie league this year, earning his promotion up. And I think he's somebody that, to keep an eye on moving on until next year. Definitely, and I'm sure he'll start in Lake Elsinore, so it'll be nice to get up there and uh, maybe talk to him next season. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All, All right, right, so, so moving – yeah, go ahead. Well, numbers don't lie. This is the next uh, article. One stand-up prospect stat from each team from MLB Pipeline. And who is it? Robbie Snelling. 1.82 ERA. So San Diego kept pushing the 2022 39th overall pick in his age 19 season and he kept responding at single a high a even double a snelling's 1.82 era over 103 and two-thirds innings was the lowest among the 272 minor league pitchers who tossed at least 100 frames in 2023 that's, that's at every level every level minor league level that's freaking huge the 19 year old didn't have an era above 2.34 at any of his three stops and his 1.56 mark at AA San Antonio, I bet small sample size, 17 in the third frames, uh, was actually his best. So as he got higher, it got better. Right. And what that says to me is his consistency, that yeah. he never had one of those games where he got blown out. He just kept consistently going out there and getting the job done. And there were a bunch of starts that we watched where the first couple innings, he'd get some guys on and you're yeah. like, what's going on here? He doesn't have it. The command's not there. He's walking some guys. And then he'd get through it and he'd start cruising. And I, I love seeing that because that's what you see good pitchers do and we've seen I mean, you you saw you darvish do that a bunch of times the last couple of years the first couple innings he'll be so so they might be able to get to him and then once he gets his legs under him he's solid and i think that snelling he's already looking like that old dog um and exactly that's what you want to see from major league pitchers and it happens you know so many times it was funny liddy talks about this get a couple guys on maybe even score a run you know God, rough inning maybe 30 35 pitches in the first inning come out you know, just, just, and then turns it around, be able to make those adjustments in game. And he is doing that at 19 years old and he's doing it at every level up to double a. So it's just amazing. I, you know, I, I want to kind of pause there and maybe take a step back and not, you know, the numbers are so good that we're going to place this expectation on him. I don't want to do that. I, I want to let this guy marinate in double A next year, make his way to triple A, maybe even get maybe push himself to maybe a spot start if all things go well, but let him develop, let him get stronger, let him get those innings underneath him. And just the, the diversity of a season that happens, I let him learn from that and and not rush him up there and have him starting or a number five starter or you know, put him in the bullpen somewhere where you know he has a chance to fail before he's even truly matured. Well, you know half of the keyboard scouts out there on Twitter, they're already writing him into the rotation oh, yeah. for the second half. Yeah. They're penciling him, oh, he's going to make 15 starts next year. Da, da, da. Uh, no, I, I you know that's the thing about the Padres they need to keep these guys in double A and are you know need to keep in the minor leagues, let them develop. And that's what happens with the Dodgers and teams that that 
that can develop guys. They keep them down there. So when they come up, they're absolutely nails. Well, and it's also, it's the, it's for depth reasons too. You know, you, you, if you bring those guys up, then who do you have behind them for when somebody gets hurt? Somebody needs a breather because it happens throughout the long season. And that's, I, that's what got the Dodgers through this season. Uh, Cause Kershaw was a shell of his former self. And then you've got may getting hurt. You've got Bueller getting hurt. You've got Urias getting suspended. Um, who's the other guy, the guy that thinks he's a cat. He got hurt too. And, and they kept bringing up guy after guy after guy and they kept shoving and they got into the playoffs. I, I yeah. mean, you saw what happened once they got there, but regardless, you need to have that depth to be able to make it through the season and keep guys healthy. Yeah. So when the playoff rolls around, you've got your strong guys ready to go. Yeah. And this last season, we have several of those guys that, that are going to fall under that umbrella as well. So let's move on. Moving on to the next one. Okay, so <laughs> the Arizona Fall League Fall Stars game occurred this week. Now, I got to watch a little bit of it. I was in and out. I know you paid a lot more attention than I did. So why don't you run, run us down through what our guys did? Well, dude, you know, we had to edit so much of the... AFL because it's all Jacob Marcy. I mean, dude, tonight and in, in, during the playoffs. So this week's the playoffs. The championship games this weekend. Uh, he went what three for four, hit a home run and a double. Um, Graham Pauly hit a three run shot. He went one for five. Um, but Marcy had I think fourteen stolen bases. I think the record for the AFL is twenty. So he didn't get the um, he didn't get the stolen base record, but. 14 steals in in a, in a month is, is pretty damn good. Uh, he went one for two with a double. Um, first at bat, opposite field, just missed. Just yeah, hit the top of the wall and bounced back into the field. And he got I don't bl- I don't blame him for trying to stretch that into a triple either. Oh, absolutely. I, I think he might have got in under the tag. Yeah, I, I think you could review that and he could have got in because it did. I, I Everyone on Twitter is like, save, save. Like, if you look at that, yeah, he looked like he got underneath it, but – um, you know, the next at bat he struck out and then he was replaced later on. But dude, the kid has absolutely a breakout season. Jonathan Mayo was talking about that. Uh, and the guys on the broadcast were talking about how it's been a breakout. It's been a breakout year for him, not only in season, but also with uh with the AFL. And you know, those don't that don't that doesn't happen to a lot of guys very often where they just come out of nowhere and have these seasons where like, who's that guy? Jacob Marcy, what the hell? I mean, it seemed like this whole season this past month, every week there was some article on him. Oh, he's stealing bags. Oh, he's hitting home runs. Well, I got to give it up to the guys that were in the broadcast booth for that game because they knew something about everybody on that on that field. And, you know, oftentimes they'll, you know, like when you watch the Futures game, they, they'll know about the top couple of prospects that are in the game. Uh, but the guys that are toward the bottom of that roster, not so much. Uh, but these guys, they knew something about everybody. There were a bunch of interesting art uh, interviews. I thought it was funny that every time they had one of the team managers in an interview, their guy started hitting home runs. All right. <laughs> That was a and fun they, little side thing. Like, oh, we got to keep you on the on the headset here because this is good. And then they ended up interviewing those guys. That was great. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun show to watch. So then later on, Braden Nett came in, uh, had a tough inning, a couple of hits, a couple of pass ball. He gave up a couple of runs. Um, but once again, just a lot to like with Braden Nett. Like he had a fantastic fall AFL season and really think, I think might have put his name not you know, not on prospect list, but certainly you know, turn some heads and and uh, and kind of put a name out there for himself. I think he goes back into Lake Elsinore next year and uh, becomes a part of their rotation. Uh, if you can just kind of clean up with a kind of a little bit of a dig on on Braden Nett, he's really young. 
um, is the walks, a little bit of command. He throws absolute gas. Um, I think the video I posted on there was like, here's some sharp cheddar for Braden Nett. Um, yeah, we've got an article in here later from uh, from Baseball America about him. Um, but yeah, he's he's a young guy that's interesting to watch. I He showed well in that game. He got touched up for a couple of lucky hits. Lucky the pass, hit. the pass ball was unfortunate, uh, but still you could see the life on everything. Um, and, and for a guy that was an undrafted free agent, yeah. you know, to make it to the Arizona Fall League Fall Stars game in your first year, you know, it kind of gives him a taste of the bright lights, feeling a little bit of pressure. Okay, here you are facing some of the best prospects in 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 all the minors. You know, I that I I I was proud proud of him the job he did. Absolutely. All right. So the thirty one games, right? So the thirty one games, uh, Marcy hit what three seventy eight four ninety six seventy one. He had an OPS of 1.161. Um, you know, Braden Nett had a solid AFL, 17 in a third innings pitch, 4.63 ERA, 21 Ks with the 10 walks. Uh, Emmanuel Penales, also not too bad either. 11 innings, 11 in the third innings, 7.36 ERA. He had 11 Ks and eight base on balls. Two of those guys, both um, Penales is an international free agent, but he just made it to Fort uh like Elsinore, like at the end of the season. So he came from the complex, spent a little time in Lake Elsinore, and then went to the AFL to kind of finish the season. Both those guys, just congratulations to him for having a fantastic AFL. For sure. Now, with the pitchers, I think a lot of these guys wind up there because their regular season was short yeah. and they need to put in a little bit of extra work. So I think that's where some of these some of these guys wound up. And and you see that. That's why some of these box scores are a little bit wonky because you've got your starting pitcher and then it's just whoever's fresh that day. Yeah. Uh, whoever can go up there and, and throw 30 pitches, you're up next, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Sanders. Uh, filling out their minor league rosters in the upper levels of is another item on the Padres' busy offseason agenda, but one name is already in the fold, Tirso Ornelas. The 23-year-old outfielder will return to the organization on a new minor league deal. Ornelas was among the players who'd reached minor league free agency via six full seasons, but the Padres worked quickly to secure a reunion with a prospect who's been a regular in top 30 rankings since signing for $1.5 million as part of the team's 2016-2017 International Amateur Hall. Breaking news. Breaking news. There it is. Fantastic. Great job, Roy. Yeah, I saw that real time while we're while we're talking here. So glad to see the Tier Sorinellis is back in the fold because as we mentioned earlier, uh, we thought he was reaching free agency. I didn't see his name in the list of guys that declared free agency. So there you go. So he's back on another minor league uh, deal. Now, to remind you all, minor league players, baseball players in general, most of them play, most of them are on year-to-year contracts. It's just for the first seven years of your pro career, one team has exclusive rights to you as yeah. a minor leaguer. And then once you reach the majors, then one major league team has exclusive rights to you for the first six years. Uh, I, it's a very complicated system. Uh, thank goodness to the cub reporter, a website out there that I used to look up the, the minutia of all of these MLB rules and contract rules and roster rules and all of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, Tirso Ornelas, he's back for another year. Well, you know, and he he was on the cusp. He, he really turned a corner this year 
in triple A, double A and in triple A and held it. So, you know, the power isn't going to be there, but he hits the ball. He, you know, he hits for average. He does. So a, a parallel that just comes to mind from, from last year might be Taylor Colway. He had a really good year the year before, uh, does a lot of things well, hits for okay power, but it's not the kind of power that's going to play in the majors. So I could see Tierso making that same kind of turn next year where they need somebody, they need an outfielder, they need somebody that can put the bat on the ball, and Tierso might get that chance finally. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a left-handed bat, so it's that's always a plus. For sure. All right, so we we narrowed down our selection of Jacob Marcy uh, articles here. The library of articles on Jacob Marcy this year. So why don't you tell us about our Padres number 12 prospect? All right. So he shifts gears from power to speed in the fall league. A couple of weeks ago, Jacob Marshall showed off his power in the Arizona fall league. Now he's displaying a much more familiar skill set. The Padres number 12 prospect pacey organization with 46 swipe bags and 55 attempts this season. A number that jumps off the page considering his average run tool 50 on the 20 to 80 scale. But the large quantity of successes shouldn't overshadow the quality of the attempts. The 22-year-old showed up. So, okay, so an average run tool doesn't mean you can't steal bases. Right. You got to understand the situation, the count, the pitcher, what's the pitcher's move, you know, all the other stuff going on. I mean, Greg Maddox, I just saw something the other day that he holds the record for the most consecutive seasons stealing a base without ever getting caught. He stole a base in 10 consecutive years without getting caught. And that's because he knew the count. He knew when the pitcher was likely to throw a breaking pitch. You know, he knew which guys were slow to the plate when, you know, it's just not about running wild, running every t- chance you get. I mean, that was that that got Ricky into the Hall of Fame, among other things. Uh, but understanding the situation, that seems to be what Marcy has already gotten a good grasp of. Yeah, absolutely. And so at the end of this article, you know, it says here 10 stolen bases. I think he had 14. I think he finished the season with 14 through 12 games this fall. Marcy has yet to be caught and he only swiped three bags once during the regular and he swiped three bags during the regular season once on August 10th. Marcy, we talk a lot as a team and we can see what the pitcher is doing throughout the game. So I try to take advantage and get on base, capitalize on the things that we see and get good jumps. After leading off the evening with a five-pitch walk, Marcy took second with base, second base with ease off Astros prospect Tyler Guilfoyle, Guilfoyle uh, without drawing a throw from Connor Pavolani oh uh, from the Orioles behind the plate. Moments later, Marcy snagged third on a head first slide. He reached once again in the fifth on a walk before darting into second and again easily beating the throw. That proved beneficial as he took third on a ground out and scored later in the frame on a sack fly. Only three players in the fall league history have stolen 20 bases in a single season. Rick Holyfield in 94 and 24, Desi Relaford, 1994, he had 21, and Eric Young Jr. uh, in 2008 with 20. With 10 steals just before the halfway point of the campaign, Marcy is on pace to join that list. I'm always trying to take advantage and trying to get closer to scoring and helping out my teammates. Any chance I can do that, I'm going to try to do it. <clears throat> a left-handed hitting outfielder with above-average plate discipline, Marcy put himself on the map in his first full season of pro ball in 129 games between High A Fort Wayne and Double A San Antonio. Marcy hit 274, 413, 428, with 16 homers and 46 RBIs. His 98 walks also led all of Padres minor leaguers 
while his 841 OPS ranked third in the system. I feel really comfortable right now. We have a really good hitting coach here, Pat O'Sullivan. Shout out. Uh, he gives a good game plan every day. Whenever a pitcher comes in, just as a group, we all communicate every time we go up to the plate, and we all know what the pitcher is trying to do to us. All the communication is helping us big time. These are all the top prospects, and they're here for a reason. So if you're not locked in, it's going to show. I'm really excited to be able to play against this competition, and I'm really lucky to be here. I love how they, you know, this is what we talked about with the AFL, the different voices, the different players, different philosophies um, coming together and working together for the team to win. So that's another one of the huge benefits of the AFL. Not only do you have different coaches, but Pat Sullivan's from the Padres, but um, you have different players that have come from different organizations with different philosophies. Well, I heard that same kind of sentiment from a bunch of guys during that fall stars game. So it, it sounds like, I mean, the, the environment that they create out there really is that kind of collaborative. Okay. Let's help everybody get better here. We're all here to help each other. Absolutely. So it's been a lot of fun. We've all gotten really close. It's really cool to come up together and play together and learn from each other. Every day we work out together and do everything together. It's been a lot of fun being able to do that. And I think it's paying off. You know, my favorite part of that article was a Desi Relaford uh, reference. Right. I thought, I thought Desi, I just looked him up. He was only a Padre for one year in half of 2000. I, I thought he played for the Padres for longer than that, but I guess I think of him more as a Philly. Yeah, absolutely. And but then, I uh, loved Desi Relaford back in the day. Dude. <laughs> it's a great name too. So that, so that last part of the, uh, his, his uh, interview was really talking about playing with, with Marcy and uh, with uh, Paulie and Mortarella and some of the pitchers. So that was more about having those guys being on the same team. And they are a core um, Mortarella, Marcy and Paulie. So that's a core infield group and outfield group that could stay in the organization and really pay dividends uh, moving forward in the future. Right. And they were in double a with uh Either Jackson Salas. Merrill. They were yeah. in double A with Jackson Merrill for the, the whole, for the end of the season. And it sounds like that whole group came together um, and the same kind of collaborative helping each other kind of thing. I I, I love hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. So we've got, we've got one more dose of Jacob Marcy, uh, uh, you know, showering affection on the guy. Uh, so more Marcy leading man, Marcy's sizzling fall league continues through three weeks of Arizona fall league played. Jacob Marcy has emerged as one of the best all around players among the talented group of prospects. The Padres number 12 prospect did a little bit of everything for the Javelinas on Friday night. Marcy went two for three with three walks, a home run and a stolen base. I was just trying to get my pitch and get on base. Marcy said it was just to help my teammates out and help get runs. I got my pitch a couple of times and took advantage of it. Marcy has resided as the leadoff hitter in almost every level of baseball he's played in. In 2022, high A Fort Wayne and double A San Antonio enjoyed the luxury of Marcy's success at the top of the order. After enduring a nine pitch battle against surprise pitcher CJ Van Eyck of Toronto, Marcy ended the battle with a towering 403 foot home run that sailed over the right field bullpen. It was Marcy's fourth home run of the season, which is tied for second most in the AFL. And this is for a guy that's not supposed to have a lot of power. Yeah, but I was just staying on the heater and looking up and didn't want to chase anything down. Marcy said, I was looking at the heart of the plate, just trying to help cash in a run with the guy at second. I got my pitch and I chipped in. I love that attitude right there that yeah. 
he probably he wasn't he wasn't going up there looking to he wasn't hunting home runs he just happened to run into one but he wants to do his part it's situational hitting it's getting the ball in play you got to get that runner over get him in yeah so marcy proceeded to get walked in three straight plate appearances can you blame him he's been hitting the cover (laughs) off the ball who wants to pitch to him Added his season total to 16, which is second in the AFL behind Will Robertson's from Toronto. Danger, Marcy's Will a, Robertson. Marcy is a top five leader in 12 different categories. Most notably, he is tied for first in stolen bases with 12, number one in runs with 20, and tied for first in hits. He ended up with 34 hits, I believe. Let me see what I got. Um, he ended up with 31 hits. Uh, he was second in the league in hits. I've got him at 34 hits. Okay. Tied for look- most, tied for most in the hits. Led the league with eleven doubles. Uh, let's see where he's at in stolen bases. Fourteen stolen bases. A few guys had more than that, but regardless, outstanding fall. Absolutely, I'm thinking regular season is what uh, is what I had. So Marcy attributes his success to the players he's surrounded by. He has taken advantage of this by soaking up as much knowledge as he can in a shorted season. I think there's a lot of things you can learn just from talking to all the different players and different organizations here with my team and the other team and just seeing different ways attack, seeing different ways they attack you and just learn from that and then just being able to piggyback off each other and just communicate within the team. You know, I can't help but wonder if some of that was lacking with the Padres this year about talking, talking amongst themselves about what somebody's trying to do, or you know, if everybody's kind of on an island, you lose some of that collaboration. Yeah, yeah. In the, the horrible year that they had, you, you know, you pay attention when they walk, watch the guy go back to the to the dugout, you know, after a ground out or something like that. You see what happens if you know if there's a hit. Do you know? Do you does he pull a guy to the side, or does he just like put his helmet down, put his bat down, kind of walk down the down the dugout? I don't know. Yeah, well, and losing a lot does that to you as well. And you start hanging your head a little bit. It's it, you can't help it. All right. So the other great story. Well, I mean, there have been several great stories of the fall league. Uh, I feel like we're 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 glossing over what Graham Pauly's done, uh, but Braden Nett, Josh Norris put out this article, Padres right-handed pitcher Braden Nett has helium in the Arizona Fall League. He says, entering the AFL season, one name not on many radars was Braden Nett, an undrafted free agent the Padres signed in 2022, who had pitched just three pro innings entering the season and walked 37 hitters in 40 and a third games in a 2023 campaign split between the Arizona Complex League and Low A Lake Elsinore. When you look at the control numbers, it's understandable that he made it through 20 rounds without being selected. When you see him in person, it's hard to fathom that no team took a chance on him over the draft's three days. The six foot three right-hander who pitched collegiately at St. Charles of Missouri Junior College has a positively filthy repertoire, fronted by a fastball that sits in the mid-90s and has touched 99 miles an hour this fall. He backs it up with a cutter, a sweeper, and a changeup that each can get silly swings from hitters that should give him weapons to attack both righties and lefties. His delivery has a lot of moving parts to smooth out if he's going to throw enough strikes to remain a rotation piece, but the stuff is there to dream on a very high upside. The results so far have been quite good in Arizona through four outings with Peoria that has 17 strikeouts. Well, you already read the numbers, but he's a name to keep an eye on this winter, especially as we build out our National League prospect lists throughout November. So he's going to be on some top 30 lists for sure. You can you can put that to the bank. Undrafted too. undrafted free agent. 
I love it. That's a testament to the scouting. You know, when we yeah. were we were talking to Mike Daly, and he's talking about the work that those scouts do uh, to go out there and find the talent. And those guys really do a fantastic job of finding some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So to to kind of bring us home here, we got a whole bunch of minor league transactions. Um, the Padres signed left-handed starting pitcher Ryan Carpenter to a minor league deal. Uh, he's 33 years old. He pitched in 15 major league games in 2018 and 2019. But I think this is an interesting one. I have a feeling I I'm not sure. This is one of those that could either go really well or we're not going to hear anything of it. Um, because he in 2020, he pitched in the CPBL in Taiwan uh, as a starter, made 20, 25 starts there. And then he was in the KBO in Korea, 2021 and 2022. He made 31 starts, 35 games, but only four games started in 2022. Um, it sounds like, so MLB trade rumors, they said Carpenter returned to the KBO Eagles for 2022, but wasn't able to make much impact, making just four appearances. He was released a couple of months into that season with reports of elbow soreness. Public details on what followed from there are sparse, but he didn't pitch anywhere in 2023. It's possible that he required some sort of elbow procedure and spent the year rehabbing, though that is entirely speculative. So this is like one of those Steve Nebraska kind of things. Like nobody's put in, put eyes on him for a couple of years. And then here comes Preller swooping in, signing him to a minor league deal. Yeah, well, one of the things that, that really stands out to this, and I think it's getting out there, is when you go pitch in the NPB or when you go pitch in the KBL, it's not a death sentence. You don't go there to die. You can go there and develop and get better and come back and make an impact on the major league team. I think it was Zach Gallon pitched in pitched in the KBL a couple of years back or MPB um, came back and then we, you know, got signed by the diamondbacks. So several of those guys have, have gone overseas, come back and contributed to a major league team and done well. Well, we've got Nick Martinez that went and pitched in, in Japan and you've got Suarez. Robert Suarez that did the same. I Suarez spent his whole career over there. Uh, but yeah, you never know what you're going to find it. Wilmer font was somebody that the Padres signed this year and he never wound up throwing a pitch, uh, in a, for the Padres organization and, you know, trying to work back from injury, I guess. Uh, but it's one of those, you just, you throw it up at the wall and see what sticks. Um, you know, I guess before spring training, before spring training closes, you you can stack your rosters up and and just see who's going to show. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so this time of year, we see we always see some players released. We see a bunch of guys elect free agency. You see guys announce their retirement. Um, the Padres released outfielder Izon Delgado and Eddie Beltre, a couple of minor leaguers that never made it outside of the complex. Uh, Izon Delgado was signed in June 2022. He only played in four games in the DSL, didn't play any games this year. Uh, Eddie Beltre, I saw him on a couple of uh, prospect write-ups. People thought something of him. He was signed in 2021. He batted 276, 408, 396 across 68 games in the DSL and the ACL, but only eight games in 2023. So I got to figure both those guys were trying to work through some injury. At some point, the Padres looked at it and went, eh, it's just not working out. So happy trails to you. So it's unfortunate, but that's the business. Absolutely. I'm looking up here. It was, um, it was Merrill Kelly. That Merrill that- Kelly. Yes, yes. And then he was he was nails in the playoffs for the Diamondbacks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the next item on here, uh, Ben Badler, 
Baseball America does a great job covering the international free agent side of things. Uh, the Padres signed eight international prospects from the Dominican Republic uh, with a lot of new pitchers joining the farm system. Uh, shortstop center fielder Fabian Alcantara, left-handed pitchers Sebastian Soriano, Adrian Pena, and Joseph Herrera. Right-handed pitchers Dioniso Nova, Jose Ortega, Rordi Mejia, and Miguel Castillo. But the thing is, don't write any of those names down. Don't get too excited about any of them yet. Just keep them, you know, in the backlog. Because as Mad Fryer said, remember that all these guys are part of the signing period that started with Salas in January. With the full bonus budget already spent, it means that they join a list of 40-plus $10,000 bonus signees in this year's class. So these really are lottery ticket kind of guys yeah. that... You know, who knows? Yeah, you know, but they're not highly regarded prospects by any means. They're just you got a chip in a chair. You got a chance to to try to make it. Yeah. And that's a dream come true for these guys, just to get out here or maybe even start in the DSL and maybe make it out to spring training sometime. It really is. And so guys from those countries, I, I, we grow up in a country where we have opportunities uh, ahead of us. We have, you know, some, some privileges that we are born into um, where they come from a totally different culture, a totally different world where they have an opportunity to make generational changing, you know, even if they just make it to the majors for a little bit um, you know, that's the kind of thing that's going to change their families immensely. Yeah. Well, even with these guys, if they make it into an affiliate, you know, and, and playing the minors for a few years. That's a huge, it's a huge thing for those guys. Uh, and and one of the things with here in America, you have high school, you have colleges, you have all this. These guys are coming from, from academies that this is how academies get their name on the board by getting some of these guys signed. Yeah. You, you think $10,000, that's a lot of money. It is not a lot of money, particularly when it's, you know, they're sending these guys by the tens. Every organization is doing this. So you right. need you need arms and you guys need to fill up roster spots. And that's what they do. Every organization does this. So the last little bit of news here, and this is this is kind of ending it on a down note. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Uh, 34 Padres minor leaguers filed for free agency today. Um, I didn't list all of them, but I listed a bunch of the notable names that stood out to me. Uh, Anderson Espinosa, Lake Bacher, Justin Lopez, Efren Contreras, Henry Henry, Aaron Leisher, Noel Vela, friends of the podcast, Chandler yeah. Siegel and Michael Cantu, uh, Juan Fernandez and Carlos Luis. So a handful of guys that I've just enjoyed following and I've really had high hopes for them. I still hold out hope that some of those guys may still sign just yeah. uh, like Tirso Ornelas did, signed another minor league deal with the Padres. Um, you know, I, I hope that these guys go on, whether it's with the Padres or elsewhere to have some success. Uh, but unfortunately, some of these guys, this may mean the end of their of their professional baseball career. Yeah, I definitely see. I don't think they'll sign Anderson Espinoza. Uh, maybe Lake Bacher. He's been in the organization for a very long time. Um, you know, Efren Contreras was, had, had, had some flashes of some really good starts this year, and he was on the cuffs of maybe even making a a spot start out of the road uh, out of the uh, out of the bullpen. Um, Aaron Leisher once again had one of those years where he almost made it. You know, he he did well enough where you could have considered him for a for a spot start. And Noel Vela, another another guy. You don't think he's so? I kept thinking he was so young. I, I think he's twenty four, twenty five. He's been around for a while. He has, yeah. And, and a year ago, I thought he was 
on the, on the fast track to making it to the majors. I thought he was going to have a chance, uh, but yeah, injury slowed him down. And that's just, that's the thing. You got to be able to put it all together. It's not yeah. just the performance. It's the, it's the between the ears. It's the, the health. It's all of that. Consistency is, is the biggest thing. Yeah. So I hope we see some of these guys again. Uh, but if we don't happy trails to them and you Absolutely. know, that's just, that's one of the, the parts of the game is, is seeing that side of the business. All right. Well, we're getting ready to wrap it up here. I really appreciate you guys hanging out and listening to us for uh for a good plus hour that we've talked. Uh, coming up in the future, we've got uh, tentative days to talk to Jacob Marcy, Graham Pauly, and Brandon Neck. So maybe I'll reach out to Nathan Martorella, see if he wants to come on the pod. Yeah, let's talk to everybody. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. Oh, play us out, Cinderella. Yeah.